0: Well, here we are again talking about sometimes and today's topic is sometimes I get angry. And we're going to be talking about a rage rash, which we often get because we get angry and don't handle our anger biblically. Mark Twain, famous American author, once said, "Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured." Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. So we want to look at this commonly occurring issue and see if we can find out what the Bible says about neutralizing the acid of anger. Neutralizing the acid that we call anger. Now I have a few things that make me angry, that makes my blood boil. People who don't use their turn signals or turn them on after they move over to the turn lane. I want to yell at them, too late, jerk, they're meant to tell us ahead of time what you're planning to do. Drivers who use their horn when arriving to pick someone up at the house next door and lean on it continually until the people come out. I want to yell, the horn works, try the windshield wipers. People who decide they need one more thing while checking out at the grocery store and leave the checkout counter to find it. And I leave me standing there waiting for them to come back. Never mind me, I want to say. I wasn't planning to do anything with my life today anyways. People who call and get my answering system also make me mad because the answering system tells them to leave a detailed message and so they leave their name and their phone number, which I already know because it registers on my iPhone. What do you want is what I want to know. So then I can prioritize whether or not I call you back. People who don't stand to the right side on the moving sidewalk in airports. Boy, that ticks me off. People who don't treat others with dignity and respect. People who take them for take other people for granted and use and abuse them. How about people at Starbucks who wait until they're being served to begin to think about what they want? Believers who are still reading the King James Version and think it's the only accurate version of God's Word. Sports being reported on during the nightly newscast. I mean, there are hundreds of sports channels and ESPN reports every detail on eight or nine or ten channels Sports is not news. Put it on a sports channel. You're welcome to laugh at me for letting such little petty things bother me so much. It might even irritate you that I make a big deal out of such small things. But how about you? What causes your blood to boil? What are your pet peeves? What makes you angry? What are some of those little habits of other people that make you want to push them down the escalator at the mall? Here's an even bigger question. How do you, how do you deal with your anger on a daily basis? Or do you really deal with it at all? Or do you just bury it and it becomes rage rash? So many little things can get under our skin, causing an inner smoldering inferno, a volcano that eventually explodes and erupts. Someone cuts in front of you in traffic. Someone rude, someone's rude to you or speaks rudely to a person you care about. Someone you talked to today said something really arrogant and stupid, like they think they have all the answers. Those you were teamed up with to accomplish a project, either at work or at the university, are not pulling their weight and it makes you look bad. Your husband leaves his dirty clothes on the floor. Your wife squeezes a toothpaste tube from the middle, mangling the entire tube in the process. You're right, it, little things can irritate us and cause us to smolder inner, in our inner being until eventually we explode and everybody around us wonders what the heck went wrong. There are more big, big enough things to make our blood pressure skyrocket as well. Natural disasters that claim thousands of lives. Poverty runs rampant in many parts of the world. Children go to sleep at night hungry, while people only a few miles away throw away pounds and pounds of uneaten food from overpriced buffets. Girls and boys suffer abuse from teachers, coaches, and family members. Innocent bystanders are shot and killed in the crossfire of drug wars. People are tricked, kidnapped, taken advantage of, even sold as slaves. Human traffickers who thrive and become rich, treating people like they're cattle. Do these issues upset you? Do they keep you awake some nights, maybe make you angry? Do they force you to change the channel or leave the room? What really makes your blood boil? What are the things that eat at you, stress you out, rob you of peace and joy in your life? Where does this anger all come from? And maybe more importantly, what are we supposed to do about it? Because all of us have anger at one time or another. The Bible has a few things to say about anger. In 15 different instances, the Bible mentions both the word anger and the word fire in the same verse. And the comparison is not only dramatic and colorful, but very revealing about the qualities of this volatile emotion. Fire building until it erupts as a volcano. Fire is a gift that can sustain life. When it's contained, when you control it, when you manage it, fire can warm you, you can cook with it, you can use it to heat water for a warm bath, use it to light candles or lamps to brighten up a dark night. However, when a fire rages out of control and is not contained, it can destroy everything in its path, it can consume in minutes everything that you took a lifetime building. Wildfires can destroy thousands of hectares of timber, wildlife and natural resources. Fire can even claim lives. Fire can if it's contained is good, fire if it's not contained is destructive. And the Bible points out that just like fire, our anger can be used constructively or destructively. Anger can cause us to fight for Justice, anger can cause us to stand up and pursue God's righteousness. Anger can cleanse, restore, and unite people. But if we allow our anger to rage out of control, we have this rage rash. It can lead us to hurt others, destroy relationships, and permanently wound people. Our anger can reflect God's character, or our anger can distance us from God himself. Anger can invite God's spirit into our lives to examine a hard truth, or it can allow the devil to come into our lives and bring serious destruction. So here's a question. When was the last time you invited the devil into your heart for a sleepover? Strange question, maybe, but not really, when you consider Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. The message version reads, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. The opening comment is important to note there. In your anger, do not sin. Now that comment comes originally from Psalm 4, verse 4. And this tells us, and it's important to note this, that anger in and of itself is not sinful. Again, just like fire, there are two kinds of anger. The first is the good kind, and that's what we might call sanctified or righteous anger. It's the powerful emotion we experience when we get upset at something that affronts God, something that opposes his truth. This kind of anger leads to a righteous reaction. We take a stand. We speak the truth. We openly express the problem in a way that accurately represents God's heart. But the second kind of anger, the bad kind of anger, usually results when we lose control of our emotions and take matters into our own hands, which is why we are told not to let the sun set on the anger. Sinful anger is getting angry at something, maybe even something that's legitimate to be angry about, maybe something that also angers God, but, and it's a big but, then allowing that anger to lead us to do the wrong thing. So the second part of our verse from Ephesians stated, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, if you're angry, you should deal with it. And if you don't deal with it and you sleep on it, then it will cause you to go into sin. The Bible tells us what happens if we go to bed angry. We give the devil a foothold. And the Greek word for foothold is tupos, and it literally means opportunity or location. It's an occupied territory. So if you open the door to the devil through your anger, you're offering him a guest room inside your heart. Talk about sleeping with the enemy. Talk about a one welcome guest at a sleepover. Scripture is full of examples of people who allowed the devil to set up camp in their hearts. And one of the key ones that I think of immediately is the story of Cain and Abel, the first recorded sibling rivalry between Adam and Eve's sons. Both made offerings to God. God accepted Abel's sacrifice because he made it exactly as God had instructed But God didn't accept Cain's offering or sacrifice because Cain decided to do it his own way. When God rejected what Cain brought, Cain became extremely angry, and thus he opened the door and allowed the devil to walk right in. Consider what God said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you, and you must rule over it. And you know the rest of the story. Cain lets his anger overtake him. The sun sets on his anger. And eventually, in a day or two, he murders his brother Abel. God warned Cain that sin was crouching at his door because of his anger. But instead of dealing with the anger and locking the door of his heart and barricading it, Cain opened it wide and allowed the enemy occupation. By allowing his anger to rule over him, not dealing with it correctly, his lack of containment led straight to sin, and just not any sin but taking of a human life, murder. So fire, when it's contained, is valuable and useful. Fire, when it's not contained, is destructive. Anger, when it's contained and dealt with correctly, is not a sin. Anger, when it's not dealt with correctly and you let it simmer, will lead you to sin and invite the devil into your heart. Hopefully, you'll never allow your anger to reach the boiling point of taking someone's life. However, if you've allowed your anger free reign, enough to even wish someone else were dead, then in God's eyes, you're as guilty as Cain. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus explained in Matthew five twenty-one and 22, you've heard what it is that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Racha, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Jesus said, that we don't have to physically murder someone to be guilty of killing them. We can murder them in our thoughts. We can murder them with our anger when we don't deal with the anger correctly. Jesus said, even if you call the person a fool, you're endangering your soul. And raka was an Aramaic word of contempt, similar to the way that we use the word idiot or jerk. And if we were being honest with each other, the term we have thought of and even said when mad at someone are far worse. So the lesson is, yes, God's word is very clear that if we don't get a handle on our anger, it will get a handle on us and it will grab hold of us and destroy us. So how does your anger usually manifest itself? What is your default style of conflict management? There are only two default styles of anger management, conflict management. There are basically two ways people handle their bad type of anger. The first one is they are spewers. That's when you explode and then look around. And if you see substantial collateral damage in the wake of your rage, then you are a spewer. You erupt like a volcano and spew over everyone who is near you and some who are even not near you. And as the Bible calls us, you're a fool. Proverbs twenty nine eleven: Fools give full vent to their rage and anger. But there's a second kind of person, and that's what we call a stewer. And if you deal with your anger inside by bottling it up and you stew about it, you think about it and then rethink about it and you dwell on it, then you are a steward. A You might not explode and lash out like a spewer, but your anger is still there. And instead of an exploding volcano, you're more like a wildfire hiding below the tree line after a lightning strike. The sparks of your anger come out by rolling your eyes or being sarcastic a quiet, silent treatment because you're angry at somebody. You hold a grudge and you're looking for opportunity for payback. You could even be hip- hypocritical, hypercritical, and judgmental as a result of your slow-burning coals of anger. David in the Old Testament was a frequent stewer. He didn't explode and spew it. He just dwelt on it and allowed it to burn inside him. Psalm 32 verse 3 records a time when David was really upset and angry and holding it all in. He says in Psalm 32 verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. David bottled it up like many of us do. And we get upset, and rather than talking things out in a healthy way, we pour them into an internal crock pot and pressure cook them. And on the outside, you might look like you have yourself under control, but just below the surface, you're smoldering, building up heat that could erupt into flames any minute. The water behind the dam is rising, and the dam will break one day. What stewards, people who stew about it and let the water build up behind the dam or allow the fire to burn on the inside and eventually explode on the outside, what stewards practice is the opposite of love. First Corinthians 13.5 says that love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. But stewards keep a long list of offenses and wrongs. And when you listen to them, when the water finally breaks the dam, when the fire finally breaks through, you'll hear them say, well, she did this and he did that and they said this and I'll never forgive them for that. They stew and they stew on their way, ways that they feel others have wronged them and whether served hot or cold, anger stew is a poisonous dish that will grow a cancer inside you. In the story of the prodigal son, New Testament, you may remember the younger brother said, Dad, give me all my stuff. And his father gave him his inheritance long before it was deserved. He left and he partied hard, blowing through the cash faster than a first-time gambler in Las Vegas. And when he finally came home empty-handed and ashamed, everyone was shocked when his father loved him openly and took him back in. But not only did he take him back, he actually threw a huge party for him. And when the older brother found out what was going on, he got so angry he wouldn't go in the house. He's a stewer. He's stewing about it and storming around outside. And the older brother finally let it out when his father came out to talk to him. His older brother said in Luke 15 verses 29 and 30, I kept all your stupid rules. I've worked like a dog for you and always did everything you asked. You never gave me a party. It's just not fair. So no doubt the older brother was a classic steward. Proverbs seventeen fourteen says, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. The older brother was a steward. And the dam eventually broke, and he spilled it out on his father and anyone else who could hear him. So regardless of whether you are a spewer, like a volcano, or a stewer damming it all up on the inside, we are likely going to wind up in the sewer unless we learn to control our response to our anger and express it productively. If you know, and you do, that your anger is leading you to sin, either inside your heart sin or with external behavior sin, then you must do something about it. You must put the fire out before the volcano erupts. And you must put the dam, you must deal with the anger before the dam breaks and people around you get hurt. While putting out the fire might feel impossible, it is a choice it's a decision you make you can control your anger with help so ask god to help you ask god to dry up the rising waters with his spirit before the dam breaks if you are a steward and ask god to put the fire out before the volcano erupts if you are a spewer the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 verses 22 and 23 says the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, wait for it, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Self-control is control of self by the Holy Spirit. And to this, once we catch this, then we can begin to see things in the right perspective. Some things, in fact, a lot of things, are just not worth getting angry about. That's why James 1 verses 19 and 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We need to grab hold of that truth. Your anger... Whether it comes out like a volcano or spews out like water behind a dam, your anger won't ever fulfill what God's desire, his righteousness seen in your life. In the Bible, we see that slow to anger is one of God's amazing character traits. Seven different Bible writers notice that God is slow to anger. And along with that trait, they mention a second one, that he is also abounding in love. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, the fruit known as self-control, we can become slow to anger and abounding in love in all of our relationships, in all of our situations, as he shows us the right perspective and the big picture. So there are basically three things that we can do in order the way they are to help us to slow anger. First off, we listen. Then we take time to process before speaking. And then we don't jump straight to being angry. That's what the verse said. The verse said that we were to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So in order The way that we are to be slow to anger is to listen first to the person or the situation and to the Spirit of God. Then we are to take time to process before speaking and then make sure you don't jump right in being angry. In closing, let me quickly look at the other kind of anger that I mentioned at the start, sanctified anger. This requires a totally different response, a totally different type of response. Scripture offers several examples of Jesus getting angry, but he never sinned. His was a righteous anger, a sanctified anger. And one of my favorite is the story of Mark chapter in Mark chapter 3 verses 1 to 6 about the man with a shriveled hand. This man happened to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath, the holy day. The Pharisees were there too, watching Jesus to see if he might dare to heal someone on the Sabbath. Apparently, they considered performing a miracle on their holy day to be a momentum momentum sin. Monumental sin, say it right. Jesus seemed to know what they were thinking. So in verse 4 of Mark chapter 3, Jesus asks them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, and they refused to answer. So in verse 5 it says, he looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Jesus was angry. He was mad. All he wanted to do was demonstrate God's love to people in need, but his distract detractors want, were watching his every move, hell-bent on keeping God's freedom out of their synagogues and out of their temple. Now, if I had Jesus' power, I don't know if I could have been so kind. I think I might raise my hands and bam, they'd all have hemorrhoids. Okay, so maybe that's just me. But that would be letting my anger lead me to sin. Instead, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Rather than allowing his anger to cause him to argue and to rebuke, cause him to sin, Jesus redirected his anger to do something righteous and loving. And we can do the same with his help. So it's okay to be angry. You can be angry and sin not. You can let the Spirit of God control your heart and mind. And if you're in a relationship that seems to bring out the worst in you that makes you angry, as you get angry, don't get angry at the person or the situation. Get mad at the devil, the evil one who moved his stuff into your home. Put him on notice. Kick him out. No more sleepovers. Deal with the anger. It's your anger. Deal with it so it does not lead you into sin. And don't let the sun set while you're angry. Don't be a steward and don't be a spewer. With righteous anger, are you sick of seeing disease and poverty and cruelty, maybe in another country or even maybe in your own city? Good. Get angry. Do something righteous about it. Do you love someone who's wallowing in self-destruction, making one bad choice after another? Good. Get angry. Reach out to them with everything in you. Do something righteous. Get angry about the things that God gets angry about. So the bottom line with anger is who's in charge of your life? Is sin crouching at your door? Don't let your hair trigger anger tell you what to do anymore. Be wise. Be wise. Don't give your enemy even a spot of ground to stand on, not a nanometer. Don't spew like a volcano and don't stew about it, gaining water behind the dam that will eventually break. Love keeps no record of wrongs, like a dam holding back the water. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Let the fruit of the Spirit grow and flourish in your heart and in your life, especially the fruit of self-control. And then at all times, be slow to anger. Take time to listen to the other person. Listen to the details of the circumstances and the situation. Take time to process what you're hearing before you speak. And don't jump straight into being angry. And in that way, rage rash will be something in the past, not a current event in your life.